Sometimes my brain gets real starved. You stupid, ignorant son of a bitch, dumb bastard! So let it be written. So let it be done. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. And that is exactly what we have in store for you this week. More stories. We talked about shaggy dog stories in the last episode, and those are the stories that go on and on and on and pretty much have no point. But as I said in that episode, and as I've said before, I love stories of all kinds. I'm a reader, I'm a writer, I love to listen to stories, I love to read stories, and I love to tell stories. So this week we're going to tell some more stories. And these are stories that I grew up with too. I grew up with the shaggy dog stories, I grew up with comedy stories, I grew up with mysteries... But one of the first books that I ever remember reading was a book that contained nothing but Aesop's fables. Do you remember Aesop's fables? Some of you may not even know who Aesop is. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't know who Aesop was initially, but I discovered who he was and I read about him in later years. I mean, all I knew about Aesop was he had fables. And then I learned that he was an ancient Greek storyteller. He was supposedly a slave in ancient Greece, but as the story goes, he was a people watcher. He watched people, he watched animals, he observed how people and animals were, and from those observations, he told stories. And the stories that he told featured human characteristics, kind of cast on animals, because he used animals, for the most part, in his stories. And he would tell his stories, his fables, to make a point. Each fable had some kind of moral that you were supposed to learn from the tale. And I love stuff like that, so I sucked this stuff down. It was great reading for me. It was easy reading. It was interesting reading. I kind of liked the characterization of animals as people with people qualities. And I really liked the moral at the end. Now, I don't know if Aesop's fables were the reason that I became interested in stories. I don't know if they led me down the path of the kind of person that I've become. Because as you guys know, if you've watched me stream, when I play video games, I make the moral choices. I make the good guy choices. I make the paragon choices over renegade choices if we're talking Mass Effect. But I learned these lessons by reading these stories from a young age. So I'm going to tell you some stories today that aren't mine, that aren't things that happened to me. But are stories that I read when I was a kid. But I'm not going to read these to you. I'm going to tell them to you. Because one of the other things that I've learned is sometimes when you tell a story, it's more enjoyable than when you read it. And Aesop's fables lend themselves to telling rather than reading. Because they're short, they're to the point, but they have voices and characters. And by telling the story rather than just reading the story, you can sometimes get a little more out of it. So I hope you don't mind if I just tell you some stories today instead of read them to you. And when I tell you the story, I'm also going to tell you the moral at the end. Just, you know, in case it's not obvious. (laughs) As a little kid, it wasn't always obvious. I would go, hmm, that's interesting. And then at the end of the stories, there would be that one line that told you what the moral of the story was. And that was always the aha moment. Oh, I get it. And I think that's why I liked those Aesop's fables so much, because they had that aha moment. Short, sweet stories, interesting little plot with an aha moment at the end. To me, the perfect bite-sized story. And that's probably why I liked him so much. One of the first ones I remember is the one about Belling the Cat. And it plays on the interplay between mice and cats, of course, because cats chase mice. And when you have cats in your house, you do that in part to keep the mice down. 
So, of course, the story involves the mice getting together for a meeting to decide what to do about this damn cat that's chasing them all around the house. The cat interferes with their ability to go get food, to go out and play, to go outside. The cat's always outside the mouse hole. So finally, they decide to have a meeting. They figure even if we can't outrun the cat, we have to know when she's coming. There's got to be a way we can alert ourselves to the fact that the cat is on its way and we can get the hell out of Dodge. So all the mice gathered together and they had this meeting set up and they all agreed that something had to be done because they were living in constant fear that this cat was going to eat them. So as most meetings go, everybody had these weird ass plans and crazy ideas, but no one thought any of these crazy ideas were good enough. And then one very young mouse got up and said, I have a plan that seems very simple, but I know it will be successful. All we have to do is hang a bell around the cat's neck. When we hear the bell ringing, we'll immediately know that our enemy is coming. Well, all the mice were delighted at this idea. It seemed so simple. How could they have not thought of such a plan before? Put a bell on the cat's neck. What a great idea. And everybody was congratulating the young mouse for the brilliant idea, patting him on the back, saying what a brilliant mouse he was, until one of the older mice in the back of the room stood up and said, (coughs) Excuse me, I will say that the plan is quite good, but... Let me ask, who is going to bell the cat? And that's all there is to the story. That's the story. The moral to this story, and they always put this out in a separate paragraph, big bold letters, moral. And the moral is simply this. It is one thing to say that something should be done, but quite a different matter to do it. I also remember the tale of the fox and the grapes. And it's funny as I go over these tales because I remember the picture book that I read these from. And I remember there was a picture of a tree and some grapes hanging from the branch of the tree. I mean, I know now that grapes grow on grape vines that kind of look tree-like. But the book had a big tree with grapes hanging off of it. And there was a fox underneath looking up hungrily at the grapes. And the story goes like this. There was a fox walking along and he saw the grapes hanging from a vine that was entwined around the branches of a tree. And the grapes look delicious, sweet and juicy and ready to burst with flavor. And the fox's mouth just watered as he gazed at them hungrily. Oh, he wanted those grapes. The problem was, the bunch of grapes was hanging from a high branch. That vine had gotten way up there. And so the fox just couldn't reach them. He had to jump for them. So he stood underneath the tree and tried to jump straight up for them. Missed them by a mile. So the fox walked off a short distance, took a little running leap at it, got a little closer, but still missed them. So he took another look at the grapes. Oh, they still look juicy. They still look delicious. So he stepped further away from the tree. Going to get up some speed, take a running leap at those grapes. Sprinted towards the tree, gave a big jump. Again, missed the grapes. Once more he tried. No closer. Couldn't get the grapes. So he sat down on the ground, looked back up at the grapes, and said to himself, (laughs) What a fool I am. Here I am, wearing myself out for a bunch of grapes that are probably sour and not worth jumping for. And off he walked, very, very scornfully, without even bothering to look back. And the moral is, there are many who pretend to despise and belittle that which is beyond their reach. Or, to put it in modern terms, you get all butt hurt over things that you can't have. And that's exactly what happened to the damn fox. Another one I remember is the one about the gnat and the bull. And it's a simple story, but it's another one of those that just kind of stayed in my head. And it's all about a gnat who was flying over a meadow and was just going crazy with the joy of being out and about flying. Buzzing around, flitting across the field. He was just bursting with energy. 
But by the time he got to the edge of the field, he'd worn himself out and was so tired he had to settle down for a rest. Fortunately for him, there was a bull in the field, and the gnat flitted up, landed on the tip of the bull's horn, and sat down to rest. He spent about 10-15 minutes there, finally had enough energy to go again, and just as he jumped off the bull's horn, he looked back at the bull and he said, Oh, I'm really sorry for, uh, for taking so much time resting on your horn. I hope I didn't cause you too much trouble. You gotta be glad that I'm leaving now, right? And the bull looked back at the gnat and said, It's all the same to me. I didn't even know you were there. And the moral of that story? We're often of greater importance in our own eyes than in the eyes of our neighbor. The smaller the mind, the greater the conceit. Or in today's language, the world does not revolve around you. But that's a moral that I took from those early readings. Much as we like to believe it, the world does not revolve around us. Another one of Aesop's fables that I remember is the one about the oak and the reeds. And I remember my mother reading this to me. And I'm sure she chose this one for a reason. The reason probably being I was such a stubborn child. I really was. I was a handful, I know. So this is one of the stories that my mother would read to me sometimes before I went to bed. And it's all about a giant oak tree that stood near a brook. And next to the oak tree grew some slender reeds. You know, the thin plants. And when the wind blew, the great oak stood proudly upright. Its branches extended straight up into the sky, its leaves fluttering in the breeze. But during that same breeze, the reeds would bow low, and sometimes if the wind was right, they'd sing a little song, because the wind cutting through the leaves made kind of a whistling sound, kind of low and sad and almost mournful. You have reason to complain, said the oak to the reeds. The slightest breeze that ruffles the surface of the water makes you bow your heads, while I, I stand firm and upright before the howling tempest. And the reeds looked back up at the oak and said, Oh, don't worry about us. The winds do not harm us. We bow before them and we do not break. You and all your pride and strength. So far you've resisted its blows, but the end is coming. After the reeds spoke, a great hurricane rushed out of the north. The oak stood proudly and fought against the storm, holding its branches high, while the reeds continued to bend and yield to the blowing wind. The wind got stronger and stronger and redoubled its intensity. And all at once, the giant oak fell, torn up by the roots, and lay flat amongst the pitying reeds. And the moral? It's better to yield when it is folly to resist than to resist stubbornly and be destroyed. In other words, don't be too much of a jerk that you can't change your mind when confronted with different circumstances. I think my mother's message to me was, don't be a stubborn ass. Although she never would have called me an ass. Might have called me a jerk. But the point was the same. Don't be a stubborn ass. And as long as we're speaking about asses, one of Aesop's tales involved the ass in the lion's skin. Now, when I was a kid, ass just meant donkey. We didn't have any connotation for ass other than donkey or mule. So when we read ass in a book, we didn't snicker loudly. It was just a donkey. So in this tale, this particular ass found a lion skin left in the forest. A hunter had apparently killed the lion and left the skin behind. The ass came upon it, thought it would be a good idea to dress himself up in a lion skin. He thought it would be great fun to wear his lion skin and rush out at the other animals and pretend he was a lion and see if it could scare them. And yeah, his pranks were working. He had the lion skin on, rushed out of the bushes, scared all the animals away as they went running in fear from this supposedly fierce lion. Now, of course, the ass was laughing his ass off. So happy to see the animals running away from him, just as if he were a real lion. In fact, he was so excited he started laughing, except when he laughed, he sounded like a donkey. It was a loud, harsh instead of a lion's roar. 
A fox, who had been startled by the lion rushing out of the bushes, stopped as he heard the braying. He walked right up to the ass dressed as a lion and said, <laughs> If you'd kept your mouth shut, you might have frightened me too, but you gave yourself away with that silly little bray. And the moral of that story? A fool may deceive by his dress and appearance, but his words will soon show what he really is. Or in today's language, you may dress like something and look like something, but that doesn't make you that something. Then there's the tale of the swallow and the crow. The swallow, the bird, of course. And the two birds were arguing one day about their plumage. The swallow said to the crow, <laughs> Just look at my bright and downy feathers. Your black stiff quills are not worth having. Why don't you dress better? Show a little pride. The crow looked at him and said, <laughs> Your feathers may do very well in the spring, but I don't remember ever having seen you around in the winter, and that's when I enjoy myself the most. The moral being, friends in fine weather only are not worth much. And you see from these stories, they're short, sweet, to the point. You do have to think a little. That's why they pin the moral on at the end, to make you think a little. But because I was such a voracious reader as a kid, I read these morals over and over again and probably drilled them into my head. That's why I am the way I am. Then there's the tale of the flies and the honey. And it's all about a jar of honey that got knocked over and the sticky honey just spilled out onto the table. And the sweet smell of that honey brought a large number of flies buzzing around. They couldn't resist. The honey was right there. They all landed in it, settled right down, started gorging themselves on the honey. The problem was, there were so many of them smeared around in that honey, they were soon covered head to toe with it. Their feet got stuck. Their wings got stuck. They couldn't fly themselves out of the honey to save their lives. And that was the problem. They couldn't save their own lives. And they died. Sucking down that honey, basically giving up their lives for just a little taste of that sweetness. And the moral? Don't be greedy for a little passing pleasure. It may destroy you. That Aesop got really dark at times, didn't he? He didn't mess around. Don't give in to your little urges, kids. That's what Aesop was all about. Then there's the tale about the miser. We all know what a miser is. Somebody who is, shall we say, diligently frugal. Well, this miser buried his gold in a secret place in his garden. Every day he went there, dug it up, counted his gold coins piece by piece, wanted to make sure it was all there. And every day he buried it back in the garden and he made this his habit. This is what he did every day. And of course, this pattern attracted the attention of a thief who saw the miser go out every day, dig up his treasure, count his coins, bury it back in the garden and go back in his house. So one night after the miser went to bed, the thief went into the garden dug up the gold, and took off with it. The miser went out the next day and discovered his gold was gone. And he started wailing and threw himself on the ground, crying and rending his garments and tearing his hair. You know, like they always did in the olden days. One of his neighbors came by and said, What happened? What happened? And the miser cried, My gold! My gold! Someone has robbed me! Your gold? asked the neighbor. You kept your gold in that hole? Why did you put it there? Why didn't you keep it in the house where you could use it and buy things with it? Bye, the miser screamed. Why, I never touched the gold. I couldn't think of spending any of it. The neighbor looked at the miser and picked up a large stone and threw it into the hole. If that's the case, said the neighbor, just bury that stone. It's worth just as much as the gold you lost. And the moral of that story? A possession is worth no more than the use we make of it. There are literally dozens of Aesop's fables, but I'm going to close 
with probably the most famous one and probably one of my favorite ones, The Boy Who Cried Wolf. And it's all about a boy who had to watch the sheep in a field not far from the village where he lived. And every day he would take the sheep out to the field and every once in a while he'd get a little bored. So to amuse himself, he would run into the middle of the field and scream, Wolf! Wolf! There's a wolf! And of course the villagers wanted to come and save the sheep because the wolf would eat the sheep and the villagers needed the sheep for the wool, for the meat. And of course, because the boy was making it up, there was no wolf there. So the villagers who'd stopped what they were doing and went to run and save the sheep kind of got annoyed because the boy would lie in the field laughing, having a great time that they came running as soon as he called. And the boy continued to play the joke and the villagers continued to come and save the sheep until they just got tired of it. And they said, "Uh, you know, you're on your own, kid. We're not coming anymore. Well, of course, one day it happened. The boy was watching the sheep, and a wolf did come into the field. And the boy ran to the field and cried, Wolf! Wolf! There's a wolf! Except this time no one came. And, of course, the wolf had a feast of sheep that day. And the moral? You don't need me to tell you. But I will anyway. No one will believe a habitual liar, even when he's telling the truth. Aesop's fables were part of my early reading, and I still go back and visit them every once in a while, like we did for today. I mean, the simple stories with the simple morals, they really stuck in my head as a kid, and I really do think that they kind of framed at least part of the person that I've grown up to become. Because sometimes a simple story with a simple moral is enough to teach a lesson, and it really taught me lessons when I was a kid. Be satisfied with what you have. Don't be something that you're not. Don't think the world revolves around you. Don't lie because it'll come back to bite you in the butt. You know, basic lessons of common sense, common decency, being just a normal, everyday human being. That's what Aesop's fables were about. Just teaching little lessons on how to be a human being who cared about other people and didn't do what they weren't supposed to do, basically. And yeah, I've read tons of other books that have the same messages, but when you're five, six, seven years old and that's the stuff you're reading and you read it over and over again, or it's read to you over and over again, Those messages stick, and they did. So when you see me making Paragon choices when we're playing Mass Effect, now you know why. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being part of things. As always, I can't thank you enough for your support and for the time that you spend listening to these stories. You guys are the best, and I really do appreciate you. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. Sanitize, be careful out there, and I'll see you when I see you.